As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Ben Standig here. As you can probably tell by the sound, I'm still at FedEx Field. They are cleaning up after... Another thrilling game by the Washington Commanders. Uh, 19-13 over the Falcons. I don't know how they do it, but they keep doing it. Six of seven for Washington. We're going to discuss what happened here and more with our pal from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, a guy that I know has big hat energy, <laughs> Michael Phillips. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got a lot to discuss, yeah. but uh, Brian Robinson... He ran over dude. He came, he came up with the. He, he's wearing this insane hat after the game. Yep. It was Sean Taylor uh, ceremony. Another one. Uh, quite the day here for the Commanders. Who? What a world. What a world, man. Uh, six of the last seven. They're rolling. Uh, you know, they they're very much squarely in the playoff picture with two games against the New York Giants that are uh, very important here on tap, obviously. Uh, not telling you anything you don't know, but it's a team with an identity. It's a team that lived out that identity, and uh, it's a team that made the plays in the key moments. I mean, you just how many of how many of these coin flip games do you need to win before it's not luck anymore? It's it's you know secret sauce and and grit and belief and all those things because we've won a lot of coin flip games around here recently. You know the reason there's a lot of reasons why teams want to throw the football and have one of these dynamic passing attacks. Je- Generally, you you generate uh, more big chunk plays, sure. which leads to quicker scores, more scores, and you, you you extend your margin of error. You expand it. This team is right now winning by the opposite. Yep. They have almost no margin for error in any game. It's the ground game, it's ball control, and it's the defense. Uh, today was sort of more of like a bend don't break as Atlanta run ran for a ton of yards, yep. as did Washington. But they made a huge play at the end, Deron Payne, with a tip pass uh, that Kendall Fuller then uh, picked off as Atlanta was on the doorstep of scoring the game-winning touchdown inside the final minute. We, we typically are talking a lot about Taylor Heineke in these spots in that, like, how was he getting it done? This wasn't so much a Taylor Heineke game. But this was the, the team sort of almost channeling his, I don't know how they got it done vibe, but, but, but they did, and... Uh, I don't even know what to say anymore. Are you completely bought in now? You said you said like how many of these games do we need to tell? They've won six of seven. Are you uh, are you buying it that this is a, a legit contender? Well, sure, they're, they're absolutely a legit wild card contender. You just got to split with the Giants and you're there. But I, I don't 
I'm not prepared to declare this will be a playoff team. I, I don't think that's a given by any stretch because of that margin for error. They won today because in the key pivotal moments of the game, they did not throw the ball, and Atlanta did choose to throw the ball in a key situation where, in retrospect, they probably wish they had run it. Um, I don't think they're particularly good at clock management. I, I don't think that uh, they're particularly good at not turning it over when they throw the ball. Uh, but there, there's just enough there. I think Brian Robinson has gotten really good. Um, I think they've gotten really good at using Curtis Samuel. I think that's an important factor here. And I think I, I think back to our preseason discussions, um, they play an easy schedule. They do. You can only play the games they give you. But this is a team that was set up for success um, and has chosen to embrace that and, and receive that success. Um, I think the games with the Giants are fascinating. Not to look straight past this one, but um, your gut says they probably split those in some fashion. If you go 0-2, I think you're out of the playoff chase at that point. If you go 2-0, I think you're in the playoffs at that point. So um, I'll, I'll refrain from overreacting in the box next Sunday at MetLife because uh, it's a two-game series, and I think either team could win either of them. But I, I think that's what you're looking at coming in. Um, certainly, I, I'm aware of the social media clamoring for Heineke to be benched because he throws interceptions occasionally, and those people can pipe down because uh, there's a team that's got the winning formula, and you don't mess with that. You uh, you do not. Um, let's talk about Brian Robinson a little bit more. Obviously, we all know his story, and just the fact that he's able to come back and play it all is is remarkable. But today was and, – and like we've seen – this building towards what happened today, he's he's become a punish a punishing rusher. One of those guys where don't watch the initial hit from a defender. Watch the second and the third and the fourth one because he's not going to stop until they get multiple guys on him um, and to take him down. And we saw that today on several runs. He, he caught a pass. He went 14 yards for a touchdown. Trucked a couple guys on that play. And there were some other runs where he just, you know, his will was, was just overpowering Atlanta's defenders. And right now, like, again, that is where this team is. Taylor Heineke threw for, what's it, Washington had 314 yards of offense. Taylor Heineke passed for 138. Yeah. And I'm almost like, how did he get the 138? Alex Smith had some wins like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen this around here but before. And obviously, you can't always assume you're going to get over 170 yards on the ground. But yeah. this is exactly what they need to do and th this turnaround is as much as we talk about how it's how much has happened since Heineke entered the equation it really lines up to me with when Robinson showed up because now they're allowed they can do what they wanted to do this ball control attack and uh what a showing from him he just truck guys his teammates were wildly impressed uh as well tip of the hat to the offensive line not a lot of holding penalties when you play games like this you can't have holding penalties they set you back except Atlanta apparently they ended up in second First and 25 at one point converted anyway. That was infuriating. Setting that aside, they won. We're happy. Um, the, the offensive line did its job as well. And I uh, loved Robinson's quote about the touchdown. Yeah, you know, if it's me and I got space in a defensive back, I better win that 80%, 90% of the times. So I just, just went for it. And he, he's got the confidence. He, he's got the strength. Um, Jonathan Williams uh, had some very insightful thoughts about the whole thing. And it, his point was like, you can't just assume you draft a rookie running back and they do that. Like that takes a lot of work and a lot of skill and a lot of genetics. And he's clearly put in that work and has that rare ability. Right. He, he made the point that a rookie's automatically going to be behind. Then Robinson, because of the circumstances, misses the first four games. So he's going to be further behind. And now he's hitting a stride. Um, Williams had some really nice runs himself, a, a tough guy runner inside. I asked him 
you know, what's your appreciation for Robinson? Like, how is he doing this? He's like, uh, I don't know when his birthday is, but on that day, God, God gave him uh, a lot of strength because that is some genetics right there, strength and toughness. And we definitely have seen that for sure. Um, you mentioned uh, the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, this was a game where you had two teams, very similar teams. The two teams that want to run the ball, and it was, it was almost the perfect game for the setting here. It was raining pretty hard before the game even started. It yeah. continued into the first half, kind of slowed down after that. Uh, so, you you know, rain means typically run the ball more. Atlanta, that's all they want to do. And Washington, I think, recognizes, yeah, we have McLaurin and we can throw the ball, but <laughs> we're, we're going to be better off uh, keeping it on the ground. Heineke did have two touchdown passes, one to Robbins, I mentioned, one to John Bates. Um, it really did feel like sort of an old-school game because of that. I mean, how, I mean, how often do you have two teams combined for over 330 yards on the ground? We, we were out of here by, like, what, 330? I mean, it, they we finished this game, and we were down doing interviews, and during the interviews, the TV was showing, like, four two-minute warning of the other games like we were flying bill callahan man like that yeah i I don't think he got a game done that quickly when he was here (laughs) it was it it was impressive they were running the ball they're getting the job done but uh you know i I don't see them going away from that anytime soon i think we'll be watching that again uh on sunday in new york right yeah i would think so i mean this is what they need to 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 do and uh, you know look atlanta does not have a dynamic offense but i do think they're well coached uh, particularly on offense, uh, Marcus Mariota is very Heineke-like, mobile, can run the ball, uh, but not going to give you a ton in the air. Uh, but they had a you know really effective ground game. They just didn't have one Robinson guy. They had like they had three they had three different players, including Mariota, get at least 49 on the ground. So Washington's defense for the first time in a while looked. Uh, vulnerable to the run, which is not something we've been saying for a while. But at the end, they still, when you have that style, this works both for both teams. It means longer drives, which means more plays, which also means more opportunities to screw the other team up. And Atlanta on the last drive, they marched the ball all the way inside the five. It looks like this is going to be a terrible finish, especially since it was a six-point game mm-hmm. because Joey Sly missed an extra point earlier. And here we go, except Deron Payne sticks up his hand when Mariota threw a pass. Sounded like the receiver was open, or at least Atlanta thought it was, uh, but the Payne got his hand up, ball fluttered, Kendall Fuller jumped in, caught the uh, interception. W- what did you think? I mean, it's easy to second guess. I'm not even saying we should, but like the Atlanta passing there, gift for Washington considering how yeah. they were running or just? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they they're running the ball so well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. They, they they would time was not a factor. They had plenty of time even without their timeouts. I don't understand why they did what they did cuz cuz you know, Mariota was so effective running and the team was effective running. I I don't get it personally. Uh, and to throw it over the middle over, you know, against those guys who you know are so good at knocking down passes too. I don't get it. Hey, you take it, you you move on. That's for sure. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think it was a gift absolutely and uh, I think Atlanta did some really good things that opponents are going to study. They didn't go straight at that interior of the defensive line, which has been so good. They, you know, they got they rolled Mariota out. They got outside. Um, I think they did a lot of things future teams will copy. So there's going to be a lot to work on this week for sure. Uh, yeah, they get the Giants next. Uh, look, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know we try to keep it real here. Keep it real. They here. were terrible. 
They were one in four. And I know that, you know, now we're in hindsight, Ron Rivera will say and others, well, yeah, we, 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 we were close. We knew we were get there, almost there, but it wasn't quite happening. I, I don't know how much I can buy that. But at the same point, they buy it. And that's really all that matters right now because the confidence that this team has to make plays is pretty remarkable you know how like for the especially whenever there's a new dan snyder story that pops up and immediately the outside world in particular says oh boy these guys are going to be distracted and and we do we do ask some of those questions let's not pretend we're not we're all immune over here but like in general i have the one thing that's been remarkable to me about this team is how they never seem frazzled flustered i'm sure they obviously get disappointed when they're one and four but they stay with it they really do seem to like each other as cliche as that sounds and you start to see that now more and more as these results are happening. And it's why when you're in the NFC this year where nobody seems to be that good, I'm like, man, if they can keep this going, uh, why not? But like you also said, the, the ease of the schedule. I mean, they did beat Philly in this stretch and they took Minnesota to the wire. So, yeah. you know, the, but like, you know, these last few games, uh, you know, the Colts were in there, the Houston last week's miserable Atlanta, you know, they're fine, but they're not like a contender sure. and they, you know, barely kind of won these games so i still don't quite know what to make of them but they believe and really i think that's kind of all that matters right now football's a funny business man the bears don't muff a punt and and go ahead and win that game and none of this happens it's oh it's over st juice doesn't tackle the guy at the goal line it's over It, it is absolutely over at that point and yet here we are and this is a team full of confidence as they should be flying high as they should be uh you know ron rivera continues to uh be just the world's least enthusiastic person when asked about Taylor Heineke. Um, that's my funniest subplot. He, Taylor Heineke's going to win the Super Bowl for this team, and Ron Rivera's post-game call will be like, oh, you know, that's Taylor for you. Had a couple interceptions, but found a way to win. <laughs> he, he was he was asked post-game, what did he think of Taylor's performance? It's a basic question like that. And his, 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 his one-word answer at the start was, Taylor. And we all knew what it meant. It, it, it's not – I mean, look, he, Heineke threw an interception right before the end of the half – that was if you're going to throw one that was a good time to do it there was, wasn't much time left on the clock uh atlanta ultimately could not muster any points there he almost threw another one later that i guess the ball hit the ground was that the uh, i forget the replay uh, the guy the a guy made an out made a nice move to to get in front of mclaurin yes, yes. yeah he, yeah the ball hit the ground right so yeah. you know it, this was not a that, that was a rare McLaurin not winning a 50-50 yes. ball. we got to rename the 50-50 balls because he wins 98% of them. But that was the two right there. It was a 98-2 ball, and, and that was the two. You don't see that often. 100%. I had the exact same reaction. But fortunately, I said the refs determined that ultimately it did, it did hit the ground, so it didn't matter. Um, look, we, know, we can talk more about Heineke this week. We've, we've done that show plenty and don't need to get into the whence of it all. But, you know, they keep winning, and that's kind of all that matters at the moment. Uh, and, and to that end, when you win, Michael, you can have more fun yeah, you and can. you can do things like wear a preposterously huge hat. I, I mean, like you had a good tweet. You, the, you had the uh, Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds, silly oversized cowboy hat. And you could, you know, had it next to the Robinson one said, you know, who wore it best for people of my age, kazoo from the uh, Fred Flint from the Flintstones. Yeah. The ridiculous, you know, size helmet on his head. Uh, I don't know what was going on there. I'm not ever wouldn't ever wear that in public, uh, barely in private. But the point though is, you can't pull that out 
if things aren't going well. That's correct. If things are going well. That's correct. Things are going great. I love the big hat. Uh, it's momentarily eclipsed the Taylor Heineke buys Jordans for himself and players on the team bit. And that was good. We needed something to freshen it up. So uh, at just the right time, uh, you know, the team provides it and, and it's big hat season. Um are you in looking for one? Maybe not in Commander's colors because that would be inappropriate, but would you like one for Kansas or some other uh, team that you uh, care about? I can neither confirm nor deny that I'm on the big big hat hunt. Um, I, I'd certainly I'd prefer to keep that a surprise until the moment said big hat arrives. All right. Well, look, if we do Secret Santa this year among the reporters, <laughs> I hope you don't get me. Um, but... Uh, one other thing today, of course, it was the, today is the 15th anniversary of Sean Taylor's tragic uh, murder, death, uh, murder. and, and uh, you know, obviously, we've we've all discussed this, but they had a ceremony today. Uh, his family was here, his daughter was here, and they unveiled a Sean Taylor. Uh, what are we calling it? Installation. Permanent installation. Permanent installation. So it's 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 uh, they it's now on the on the the main concourse level, but it can be moved and whatever. And essentially, what it was was a it's a glass case inside is a is a effectively a mannequin wearing a Sean Taylor no, jersey. No, no mannequin. No mannequin. No. It, what what's it being held by? Wires. Wires. And okay. That, that's intentional. That's the artistic statement. Is there's nobody in the jersey? Got it. Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So so there's that. Um, there seemed to be a bit of a fallout though from the people didn't like it. People did not li- like it yeah. so much. Uh, I didn't go to it. I was doing something else. You were down there in my office. I saw the pictures and, and saw some of the comments. What was your thought on, on the situation? Um, I, I think that it was, a, you know, the communication was bad. I know there's, a, you know, with how many times we said that, they didn't communicate it well. Um, we had a few things going on here. One was people felt the details weren't right. The shoe brand wasn't right. The jersey brand wasn't right. Um, you know, the, the details weren't on point. They didn't do the thing on the face mask. Yeah, so, so the details weren't on point there. Um, and I think that rubbed some people the wrong way. Uh, and then... I think people wanted a statue. I, I think, you know, they heard permanent monument to Sean Taylor. And I, I get, you know, this is a piece of art. And I get that it is permanent in the sense that it's there. Um, but I think the expectations were not appropriately managed as to what it would be. People hear permanent monument and they think statue. There's a Pat Tillman statue in Arizona. There's, uh, you know, the Nationals obviously have statues over at Nationals Park. Uh, there, there's a number, you know. I, I think the team probably outsmarted itself. Thought, you know, well, this is this is even better. We're we're redefining what it means to pay tribute to somebody. And I think the message back from the fans was, no, we just want you to do do what everybody else does and do it correctly. Um, I'm I'm not going to waste a lot of my energy on dissecting this entire thing because we did this last year, uh, a year ago. Um, I, I guess. My one big point that I have on this whole thing is we've now spent two days over two years going going big on Sean Taylor, and, and deservedly so. In that time, we've neglected a lot of greats who should probably be having their numbers retired. And um, once you opened the door with the Sean Taylor number retirement, it was time to take care of some other people, um, and I hope that happens in the coming years. For, for, for sure. And, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I, look, it seems like the family was happy with the situation. If that's the case, great. That's for me. That's really kind of all that matters. And obviously, the, I want the you know the fans who who are who still revere him. I, you know, same. But the family ultimately is more here in part because there was a ceremony last year. They did retire his number. And I guess to your point, 
how do I say this without being inartful or indelicate? Uh, retire the Sean Taylor retirement ceremonies. Yeah. It is time to move on. And, like, I don't want it to be – it's already started to feel like they're kind of using the situation to help offset some of their own issues. We all think, thought that last year, I think, but how the way it was rushed. Enough. Get, start looking at your Daryl Greens or John Reagan's and go go down that route if we're going to continue this this path. Sure, they, they botched last year's, and I think this was their – way to make it right was to do another one this year. I think I would rather they make it right by just being competent people who run a competent organization. Um, but look, it's a happy day because the commanders, I, I don't know. They just keep doing it. They're seven and five next week. If they beat the giants, they actually move ahead in New York in the standings. Um, right now, I, I won't ask you so far as to say, well, they, how much will they win in the Super Bowl by, uh-huh. even though I know that's on your mind right now. Prediction: Yes or no? Are they making the playoffs? I gotta predict yes right now. I, I do. I think it. I think this stretch sets up favorably. All you have to do is split with the Giants, and I think I think the Browns on New Year's is. I'm putting that in the win column just off of what I see here. Um, and I, I think the Cowboys could potentially not have anything on the line. We'll see. Maybe they're playing for the bye even, um, and that is a significant game, which would change my calculus. But uh, I, I think that uh, I don't know. I think things are breaking well. I, which is not to say they'll win this week. I think they could lose this week in New York quite easily. Yeah, I think similar to this game, the Giants are very well coached. I think this was a coach game, a coaching game as much as anything else. I think next week will probably be as well. We will see at that time. Um, at Michael PRTD on Twitter. Go read him in the Richmond Times Dispatch. You can, of course, follow me at Ben Standing and read me on The Athletic. That is it for now. Plenty more podcasts to come this week. Of course, we got to keep talking about the hottest team in the world. Uh, Until next time, see ya.